Hello there, and welcome to this edition of ADIPEC Energy Dialogues. This is a series of conversation with leaders in the oil and gas and energy space around the world, bringing you up to date with trends and news of tremendous value and interest to you. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the CEO of SEPSA, Philip Boisseau joins me now. So Philip, a very warm welcome to the ADIPEC Energy Dialogues. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for uh, being with me as well. Now, if we look back historically, I guess we got to go back a little while, but there was a time when SEPSA was probably a Spanish player, really. But in the yes. last 10 years, even in more, I mean, you're really becoming a global chemicals player. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, where you are now and indeed the plans for the future. Yes, absolutely. It used to be a very Spanish company. Uh, over time, we grew in, uh, in uh, basically two areas. One is upstream because we developed uh, uh, upstream production, uh, crude and uh, gas production in Abu Dhabi, in Algeria, and uh, in other parts of the world. And we also developed a global position in the chemicals. And as far as chemicals, we're one of the leaders of, uh, in the detergent industry, producing uh, feedstock for all the large detergent company that you know, the Unilevers, et cetera. Uh, and other types of chemical products. So we are, yes, uh, now we developed into a global uh, energy and chemical company. Now, of course, you're a major refiner as well. And um, when we look particularly in, you know, the Spanish market, the refining industry, not just the Spanish market, but a European refiner. Um, over the last few years, the refining industry, perhaps not one of the strongest at times, but again, uh, a lot of work to be done in that area. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges and the opportunities you see as a major refiner in Europe. Yes, uh, well, as a refiner, what matters is to be competitive. And one of the key factors to be competitive is of course to, uh, to maintain costs low, but also to have a size. There is a critical size for refining. And we are lucky because we have two very big refineries uh, very close to one another that are really operated in uh, as one uh, 430,000 barrels a day unit, which makes us uh, a sustainable player for the future because we have everything in hand to make sure that our refinery remains competitive. Uh, costs are going lower and lower as everybody does. We are close to the sea on both refineries. We have access to sea, uh, logistics, uh, and that's uh, what makes our future possible. Now, the big challenges, of course, uh, is the energy transition. Uh, as you can see in Europe, a lot of refineries are going to, uh, to bio, and we are going that route as well, because it's absolutely necessary to, uh, to reduce our carbon footprint and to make sure that in the long distant future, we become a zero net uh, emission company. Talk to me a little bit about that, because I think that's an area that many people, of course, are fascinated with in terms of being able to make that transition and how you intend to do that. Well, you know, it's such a difficult challenge for all the energy sector that there is no one silver bullet. It is a combination of everything in the company. Uh, let's start with chemicals. And you know, when you have chemicals, uh, you don't burn the products uh, that uh, you produce. And this helps you to reduce your CO2 footprint. 
so one avenue is to grow chemicals and to go into refine, uh, recycling those chemicals. And we're working on that. The other, uh, other types of solutions are to go to have a proportion of, of bio, which is growing. And that we're working as that, on that as well. Finally, efficiency is, of course, uh, one other uh, source of uh, solution. How can we be greener? We also can purchase green electricity, produce green hydrogen. It's the combination of all those solutions that will make our company a greener and greener and allow it to reach the targets, which is in to, to become neutral as, as quickly as we can. But it's also something of the overall company. Not any single activity should be uh, forgetting this CO2 uh, uh, reduction uh, emission target. Like, for instance, uh, we have a marketing activity. And marketing activity, we need to make sure that our service stations, our uh, clients are being uh, served with not only uh, uh, conventional fuels, which become more and more bio, but also gas, electricity, all sorts of products that can help our clients to become greener. And indeed, that's what I was just wondering too, you know, because you're you're a major player, obviously, around Spain. We see the SEPSA brand all over the place, um, you know, more than, uh, you know, 1,500 service stations um, and obviously looking at, you know, supplying fuel for cars, but also for heavy transportation, you're also looking at, and then also looking on the gas side. But I was beginning to wondering what you would do if there's that big transition to electric cars. It's happening slowly. But obviously, you're you're looking ahead and making sure that you're covering all the bases, so to speak. Absolutely, uh, you know, electric cars uh, only takes care of a small part of the, of the problem. Uh, it is part of the solution, of course, and we are going to follow that route. But you need not to forget uh, all the other types of transportation, be it trucks, big boats, big planes, and in that too. Uh, we, are, we are working in order to, in the future, be able to produce biojet, to produce biofuel for trucks, to, to allow the trucks to uh, use gas, etc., etc. So again, it is a combination of a lot of different solutions that bit by bit will allow us to become uh, carbon free. Now, talk to me a little bit about this support SDG campaign that um, SEPSA is really you know, being very public about it and looking at, you know, the UN 2030 agenda. And you've talked there, you know, about reducing the carbon footprint and really making sure that you're part of the conversation and indeed part of the, the great effort. How important is it, you know, for all companies in the oil and gas space and in the hydrocarbon space to really pay attention to this? And are you encouraged that, you know, your peer group and that the industry is really you know, standing up and taking, you know, practical action, perhaps that we didn't hear about, you know, 10 years ago? Uh, well, first, uh, you need to see that uh, there is a disconnect between some of the European players and the, some of the other players. Uh, in Europe, yes, that's absolutely clear that it's eye on everybody's agenda. Uh, in Spain, Repsol was the first to announce uh, a target, which is to be zero, uh, zero net emission in 2050. Today, uh, uh, mainly uh, all the European majors have made an announcement, 
Well, not yet because we're working on it. We have started to work when I took over last year. It takes time. We are we are reorganize the company in order precisely to be able to grow and to tackle these issues. But we are going to make our own announcement at the beginning of next year. Uh, it it is not important. It is crucial, and it is crucial for many many reasons. First, because our stakeholders need it. They want it. Our clients ask for it. And now even the markets ask for it. When you see uh, some more and more funds are starting to become very conscious about whether they want to invest in uh, into a company that is uh, how green is the company in which they're going to invest in. Uh, it's true also for uh, for the stock, the, the quoted companies. You have some of the stakeholders that publicly make statements in order to push uh, all those those companies to go greener. I mean, all the stakeholders, be them uh, on the side of clients, the ONG, the governments, the markets, they all uh, go like this. And we are going that route uh, because it's just how it should be. Uh, that's the big uh, challenge for the whole planet. And we cannot be out of that challenge. It's even more. Uh, if we want to be sustainable, we need to be ahead of the game and to be part of the, of the solution, not of the problem. Indeed. And since you've taken over SEPSA too, and you've had your part of that reorganization in place, I mean, you know, nobody could have foreseen the pandemic that happened and really threw the world into, you know, such uncertainty. How have you found operational, I, I, I guess, I suppose, just continuity over the past year in terms of, obviously, it's something you had to do, but it probably gave you a few more challenges than you might have been expecting. Of course. I mean, it has been uh, easy for nobody. I mean, everybody suffers from it, some more than others, but uh, certainly the energy industry is one of the ones uh, that has been most impacted. And I would say those who have refined in Europe are the one of the most impacted uh, among our peers. Why? Because we had to suffer three crises. One is the COVID crisis, and to make sure our employees were safe, uh, that remote working was working, that we were able to run the company despite all the sanitary measures. This is one. Second, of course, because of the impact on demand, uh, we had this huge energy crisis that reflected into the price of crude. But on top of that, we had a third crisis, which was starting before the pandemic which was the refining uh, crisis in Europe. As you know, it's a cyclical uh, industry. Uh, this industry, uh, as, as a, since it exists, uh, goes from cycles. Uh, there are overcapacity, then the margins uh, go down, then the poorest performers are, are closed, then the margin recover, et cetera, et cetera. And we were about to enter into a new period of crisis that happened just at the same time than the pandemic. So, of course, situation is tough. Uh, we had to take measures of cost cutting, very, very harsh cost cutting, uh, and in the meantime, managing the pandemic. But that's what all the European players had to, had to go through. So, of course, it doesn't help. It doesn't help because of uh, the huge uncertainty that we have in front of us. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, that's what we have to do. And we have to prepare the future despite this huge 
short term and even middle term uncertainty. That's what we have to do, yes. And that's what we're doing. Yes, indeed. And I, I think when we look at the projections that they're out there, you know, the, the oil price at the moment is is lower than probably most producers and indeed most players would want it to be. But again, at least there's some sense of stability there, I suppose, and and it's steady. And I think we have to look, as you say, you know, look beyond next week, next month, next year, and really look to the future because there will be um, a demand coming back and you have to be ready for that. Talk to yes. me about the role that you find technology is playing in very much changing your industry, particularly. Well, uh, the first thing I wanted to, to, to comment on what you just said about uncertainties. Yes, the crude price is stabilized. Uh, you, uh, European refining margin have not recovered yet, and they're going to take some time to recover. But what's going to remain, and even before the pandemic, is uh, uncertainty. We are in an uncertain world. So if we want to be sustainable, what is the key word of any successful strategy is optionality, to make sure we, we, can, uh, we can be agile. And you can be agile if you have optionality. And this is really one of the things that is driving our, the strategy we're uh, building right now, optionality, to, uh, to be able to, uh, so this is why, for instance, we grow our trading in order to have more optionality. This is why the bio investment we are uh, working on are going to be adaptable to a very a large variety of feedstock, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The optionality is a key word to prepare uh, to prepare for the future. That's uh, that's one of the way we're going to answer this uh, this uh, very big uh, uh, challenge we have in front in front of us. I like that word. It's not one I've heard before, but it makes such great sense. And in many ways, I suppose it is you know being nimble being reactive and being being fast i suppose and and just you know having the right people and having uh, the right processes in place to make sure you can do that and building i suppose that diversity into the company um yes, yes. let me take you back again to the technology side yes, i was there's, about to comment but okay <laughs> you're reminding me there's uh, so much yeah. there and i know it's something that you know is is very dear to your heart and at the very core of your your plans for the future Okay, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, at the same time, we have this uncertainty, but we have this huge opportunity. The fact that all the European governments have decided to, uh, for the first time, I think, in history, I think that Europe has made a big step ahead uh, by being un united, by putting together measures in order to support the economy, and not one in each uh, for itself, but really a, a, a common movement. And basically, it's what is being put together is, uh, I think, as big as the Marshall Plan after World War II. And this huge amount of uh, help uh, will allow us and all the actors in Europe to benefit from technologies that uh, wouldn't find the profitability if, uh, if uh, we hadn't that help. And that's that's a fantastic opportunity for us, for those companies. Of course, nobody will be able to get access to those funds. So there is kind of a competition. There is kind of a, we need to work hard to be ready on time, etc. But it's a unique opportunity that uh, uh, we need to seize in order to accelerate the energy transition. So 
uh, it's going to go with new technologies like recycling technologies, biotechnologies, etc. You also have to use existing technologies that are profitable. Renewable is, is an example. Uh, I am renewable is something that I like because I I I, I really uh, bet on uh, more than. 13 years ago on renewables in a, in a former life, in, in the, working for another company. Uh, digital, of course, is absolutely key. Uh, SEPSA is a very, very advanced in digital. You know, we uh, our workspace is completely digitalized. It took us no investment and two days to be 100% remote because we had everything ready to work, uh, to work remote. Uh, we are one of the largest clients of uh, Amazon Web Service, uh, and we are already studying 5G uh, technologies to put in our plants. So yes, the combination of uh, the, the technology that are now mature, the European funds, the new technologies, and the digitalization make a cocktail that will allow us to accelerate the energy transition. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about partnerships. I mean, you have tremendous digital partnerships, as you said there. And yes. um, particularly when you talk about Amazon, I think that's very exciting too. And But also partnerships you know, within the sector. Talk to me a little bit about that. And even here within our region, of course, in the Middle East, which is very exciting. Of course, we have, uh, we have if you extend the Middle East, I would say we have three main partners and one uh, shareholder, which is, uh, a shareholder is always a partner. So let's Four, Mubadala is one of our shareholders along with Carlyle, this is one. Second, uh, we are a concession holder in Abu Dhabi. So Adnoc is one of our uh, best partner or most important partner in the upstream. Algeria, Sonatrak is also one of our very, very important partner because we have significant production uh, in, uh, and, and partnership with Algeria, uh, more generally speaking. And we have Mazdar. Mazdar, we signed an MOU last year where we decided to go together uh, for all the renewable investment in Spain. So we said we wanted to get started with 500 megawatt, which was a, a small start, but we have more ambitious plan that I will, uh, I will not comment today, but uh, that are uh, being cooked. And of course, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, with Mazdar as a preferred partner. So yes, we have uh, a lot of partnership and uh, frankly for us not only uh, it's uh, it's uh, very helpful but it allows us to think bigger and to uh, and to uh, to grow with very solid very uh, very sustainable long-term partners now and of course we're going to be sorry we'll miss you in person at adipec coming up in november adipec virtual because i'm sure your partners here would love to have a visit from you but no doubt you're keeping in touch with them just as we're all being connected around the world. Um, you know, well done, as you say, that you were able to transform so rapidly, you know, unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, but having the, the digital positioning in place, I mean, as you said, really, really helped you. Do you think when you look forward in terms of remote working and indeed, you know, remote connectivity, and we look forward to the Edipec virtual as well and having you there, how important is this and what is it a game changer do you think in the industry yes and no uh, you you uh, i mean we have started to come back to the office you cannot replace the presence the physical presence 
To run a company remotely is doable for a small period of time, but you need to meet with the people. If you don't meet with the people, you lose the link, you lose the physical interaction, you lose everything that you feel that you can't feel on the video. And this is key. And I think that uh, we will have two types of changes. One is that, yes, remote working will be more accepted, more possible. And even from, uh, if I, you take my case, I can be a CEO uh, of a company and have uh, one day uh, working remote uh, and, uh, and continuing to do my job. And this is a big change. Now, what also as, as uh, this pandemic and this situation has reminded us is that you cannot replace uh, meeting with the people and physical contact. That is absolutely key. And uh, this is why, yes, there will be more remote working, but it will not completely uh, be 100% because everybody will miss meeting with their colleagues, meeting with their partners, et cetera, et cetera. Even there are negotiations that cannot be done on video needs to be done physically. So I think, yes, it's a game changer in the fact that it's gonna be much commonly used, but it's not a game changer because human relations are absolutely necessary for our lives. Indeed, for our lives and for the longevity of the company as well, without a doubt. So just before we close, just a quick word from you in terms of, you know, as we close off the year where we still have a quarter to go, but looking ahead, I mean, what's top of your agenda now in terms of um, operational continuity, I guess, connectivity, all of that, I'm sure it's all part of the top of the agenda. What can we look forward to hearing from SEPSA in the next uh, short while? I would say forwards. Uh, now that uh, the new organization is in place, is efficiency. Uh, that's, of course, you cannot run a company without becoming every day more efficient than the day before. So that's uh, on the top of our list, and especially uh, because the, the refining crisis will not stop tomorrow, will not even stop in 2021 or 2022. We have probably at least two good years to go before uh, market recovers. This, this is one. Second is, uh, as I said, optionality. Third is growth. We are working on uh, our growth path, and of course, everything has to be much greener. And these are the four words uh, that uh, would define the strategy we're working on. And that we're going to uh, probably reveal at the beginning of 2021. Well, we'll certainly all be looking forward to hearing more from you. But thank you so much, the Chief Executive Officer of SEPSA, Philippe Boisseau. Thank you so much for joining us on the Edipec Energy Dialogues. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure on my side, too. Take care. Thank you. And indeed to all of you at home, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will, of course, continue the Adipec Energy Dialogues, talking to leaders from around the world to bring you up to date with trends and news in the energy sector. And of course, all this in the lead up to Adipec Virtual in November, when we hope you'll be joining us. I'm Etna Trainer. Thank you so much for being with me.